let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 11 with me. John 11 this morning. John chapter 11 and we're going to read, excuse me, verse 25. This morning, John chapter 11, verse 25 says, Jesus said said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Let's uh, commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful that we can be here this morning on Resurrection Sunday, and we can come and uh, give thanks and praise unto your name. And Lord, I pray this morning as we uh, consider, Lord, all the, the wonderful implications of the resurrection, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of our hearts, that you would teach us, you would instruct us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit, and the wisdom and guidance I speak this morning, that, Lord, it would be your words, it would be your thoughts, <clears throat> and that, Lord, you would uh, just meet us each where we're at this morning, and that, Lord, you would be honoured and glorified now in all that we do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, on Friday we came together for Good Friday, and we uh, looked at what our Lord and Saviour did for us there on the cross, and we saw his wonderful declaration, It is finished. That wonderful cry of victory from the cross. You know, Christ cried out, it is finished. The, the work of salvation was complete. The redemption price had been paid. The way was now open for us to come under the Father and be saved. But of course, the Easter message doesn't end with Christ on the cross. Our Lord and Savior was taken down from the cross. He was buried in a new garden tomb. And of course, on the third day, he rose again victorious over the grave. Christ conquered death. He gained the victory. You know, our hope as believers rests in Christ's resurrection. That's where our hope rests as believers. It rests in his resurrection. His resurrection proves to us that what he did on the cross did satisfy God's righteous demands. His resurrection proves that uh, his blood did pay the price for our sin. His resurrection proves that salvation is now possible through him. And here in John chapter 11, our Lord and Savior speaks about the hope that we have as believers in him because of his resurrection. And the context of the passage here, of course, is uh, Lazarus' death. Christ has arrived in Bethany after Lazarus has been dead for four days now. And Martha makes the statement in verse 21 there. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Martha makes this, this statement. She says, Lord, if you'd come sooner, Lazarus would still be alive. She, she knew that Christ had the power to heal her brother. And so she's distraught. She's beside herself. And the Lord immediately seeks to comfort her. And he declares there in verse 23, <clears throat> says, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. He gives her these words of comfort. He says, Thy brother shall rise again. Lazarus will live again. He will rise. 
And Martha's response to this declaration in verse 24, she says, Martha, says, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha responds with this declaration of faith. Faith that indeed her brother will rise in the last day, in the future resurrection. And it's after this statement of faith that Christ then makes it very clear, not only to Martha, but indeed to all of us, that this future resurrection, this future hope, rests completely in him. It rests in him. And our Lord makes here in verse 25 two glorious I am statements. And both of these statements were proven to be true when Christ rose again from the grave. And so this morning let us consider these two statements and consider the hope that we have as believers. We see first of all Christ declares, I am the resurrection. Verse 25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Christ begins verse 25 with this wonderful, glorious statement. He says, I am the resurrection. You know, this is a statement, a declaration that the resurrection is completely dependent upon him. That he is the source. He is the author. He is the cause of the resurrection. It it depends completely upon his power, upon his authority. It's a declaration that without him, there would be no resurrection. There would be no future hope. So the resurrection is completely dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And this declaration, I am the resurrection, it was proven to be true when Christ himself rose again from the grave. Now, of course, he demonstrated his power to resurrect others before this. And, of course, our present passage is just one example of that. With Lazarus here being raised after four days in the grave. Look in verse 38 with me. Excuse me. Verse 38 says, Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. There was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, "Take Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Here we have this wonderful account of Lazarus. He's been in the tomb for four days, and the Lord calls out to him, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus responds immediately by walking out of, the, out of the tomb, comes back to life. The Lord demonstrated clearly his power over the resurrection as he raised Lazarus. But the point is, if Christ himself had not risen, what hope, what confidence do we have that he can bring us back to life, that we have the resurrection one day? What confidence do we have if Christ is not risen? It all goes away, doesn't it? 
You see, when Christ rose again on the third day, he was proven to be the resurrection, as he claimed. Yeah, then in verse 25 here, Christ tells us the hope that we have because this is true. In verse 25 there, it says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. At the end of verse 25, Christ tells us what this blessed truth, this truth, I am the resurrection. What does that mean for us as believers? Well, he tells us because he is the resurrection and we know it's true because he rose again, we know with confidence that we shall rise. That's what he says here. Christ says, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You know, the words, though he were dead here, in the Greek are in the subjunctive mood, and they literally mean, even if he die. And so then the whole statement here is, he that believeth in me, even if he die, yet shall he live. You see, Christ makes it very clear that death is not the end for the believer. Death is not the end. Rather, it is the beginning. This is the blessed truth that the Apostle Paul presents to us in 1 Thessalonians. Go over there with me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now we know this passage well. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul, he speaks about the blessed truth that death is not the end for the believer. And he says that the hope rests in the fact that Christ died, was buried and rose again. In his resurrection. Death is not the end when the Lord returns for his church one day, for the bride. And we are raptured to be with him. Those who have died in Christ will be there on that blessed day. It says in verse 16, For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They will rise first. And we'll meet them in the air. We'll meet the Lord in the air. We'll meet our loved ones in the air who've died in Christ. They'll be raised. They'll receive a new and glorious body. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians 15. Excuse me. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52. We'll start in verse 51. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about the change that will take place. We'll receive a new and glorious body. You know, all those believers who have died in Christ on that day will rise and they will receive a new and glorious body. We'll be changed to be like him, John says, but we'll see him as he is. We'll meet him in the air. We'll meet our loved ones who have died in Christ in the air. You see, death is but the beginning for the believer. It's not the end. And even if we die before Christ comes again, we shall rise. And you know, that's why Paul in Philippians 1 verse 21 could say, for me to live is Christ and, for me to, and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He saw it as, as gain. Why? Because he understood he would rise. He would spend eternity with the Lord. And this hope, this hope that we have as believers rests in the fact that Christ is the resurrection. And it was proven to be true on the third day when Christ rose victorious over the grave. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, hopefully you're still there. Verse 12 to 19, Paul speaks extensively about the fact that our faith and our hope rests in the resurrection of our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, it says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ sorry, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Paul speaks extensively here about the fact that our hope rests in the fact that Christ rose again. In verse 17, he tells us clearly, if Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain. He says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Our faith is vain. The very reason why we're here today is, is empty. There's nothing to it. If Christ didn't rise, we're still dead. We're still lost in our sins. In verse 18 and 19, he says we have no hope for our loved ones who have died in Christ. Verse 18 says, Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If, if Christ didn't rise, then those loved ones who knew the Lord and have died and we've buried, they have no hope. We have no hope of seeing them again. Verse 19, he says we have no hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If our hope is only for this life, then we have a miserable existence. A miserable existence. You see, if Christ, the very source of the resurrection, didn't rise, then, beloved, we have no hope. You see, we can praise God today that we have a future hope because Christ did rise again. Christ rose, and as verse 20 says, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. It says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of, of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection, he is the beginning of the harvest. 
beginning of the harvest that shall follow. You know, his resurrection from the grave assures us that he has conquered death. Assures us that he has gained the victory. Beloved, because he rose, we shall rise on that resurrection morning. That brings us now to Christ's second I am statement. He claims there in verse 25 to be the life. Go back there to John 11, verse 25. It says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Christ says, I am the life. Not only is he the resurrection, the source, the cause of it, but he is also the source, the cause of life. Now, this is a truth that's stated often in the scriptures, not only by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, but indeed by others as well. The most obvious place we see Christ also declare this is in John 14, verse 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's the same statements. But we also see it in John chapter 1, verse 4. Just turn there with me. John 1 verse 4 it says in him was life and the life was the light of men John right in his gospel he talks about the fact that in Christ is life he is the source of it in 1st John chapter 1 verse 2 we see Christ referred to as life as eternal life just turn over there with me <clears throat> First John chapter 1 and verse 2 says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. It says, For the life was manifested. The life there is the Lord Jesus Christ. In First John 5 verse 11 as well. First John 5 verse 11. It says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Time and time again throughout the scriptures, we have this wonderful, glorious truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the life. Reinforcing this statement that he made, this claim that he made. I am the resurrection and the life. Christ claims to be the source of physical and spiritual life. Life is completely dependent upon him, dependent upon his power. And in verse 26, Christ tells us the wonderful hope that this gives us as believers. In verse 26, he says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Christ has already told us that because he is the resurrection, we have the assurance that we shall rise. Now he tells us that because he is the life, we have the assurance that we shall never die. We shall never die. In John 8 verse 51, we see Christ make a very similar statement. Just turn back there to John chapter 8 and verse 51. John 8 51 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Very similar statement. In both passages, we're told that if we believe in him, we shall not see death. We shall not die. We shall never die. You know, you ask, how can that be true? How can that be true? We all physically die. Indeed, we've just spoken about the resurrection, which implies death, physical death. 
Now Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgments. And so we all are going to die physically, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back first. And so what then does it mean here when Christ says that we shall never die? What is Christ declaring? Well, to understand what the Lord is talking about, we have to, of course, understand death in the biblical sense. We have to understand death in the biblical sense, and the best way to do this is to go back to Genesis and to the fall of man. Let's just go back there, Genesis 2. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 2, we see Adam and Eve placed in the garden of Eden. And we see them given a very clear set of instructions. They can eat of every tree within the garden except for one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God made it very clear that the consequence of disobeying this command was death. And not just death, it was immediate death. Verse 17 says, Bear of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In the very day that they eat of the fruit, they will surely die. It was immediate death. That was the consequence of their sin. But you know, when we come to Genesis chapter 3, and we see Adam and Eve sin, they don't die physically immediately, do they? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we see Adam and Eve sin. They partake of the fruit. We know this well. You know, when they ate of the fruit, they didn't physically die, did they? They're physically fine, and indeed they live for many years after this event. And so does that mean that God didn't punish them as he said he would? Does that mean that God failed to carry out his judgment? Of course not. God kept his word. They died immediately, but the death there was not physical. It was a spiritual death. It was separation from God, and we see that separation in verse 8 there. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. Here we see Adam and Eve, there's a change, isn't there? They partook of the fruits, and now they are ashamed. Now they, they understand they've sinned. Their relationship with God has suddenly changed. Before this, they were quite happy to walk with the Lord each and every day, and had this close fellowship. But now they're, they're afraid of God. Now they're hiding themselves. Why? Because they sinned. There's a separation between them and God. They're unable to stand before Him. And so from the very beginning, death spoke of separation from God. That's what death was talking about. 
Separation from God, separation from fellowship with Him. And so when we come back to our present passage here in John chapter 11 and verse 26, and the Lord says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. When we read those words, we shall never die, we need to understand that Christ is not talking about physical death. He's talking about this spiritual death, being separated from God. He says we shall never be separated from Him. Christ is speaking about spiritual death. Now John 6, uh, sorry, Romans 6 verse 23, we know it well, says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, that's the penalty for sin. That's the punishment that we all face without Christ and death there is eternal separation from God in a lake of fire. But if we believe in Him, if we believe in the One who is the source of all life, if we place our faith in His finished work there on the cross, then we shall never die. We have the assurance of eternal life that will never be separated from Him. Go to Revelation 20 with me. Revelation 20 and verse 6. A wonderful verse. Revelation 20 verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. In Revelation 20 verse 6, we're told that those of us were saved... Those of us who have part in the first resurrection, believers, we're told that we do not have to fear the second death. It has no power over us. And the second death there is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. We don't have to fear ever being separated from God. Why? Because we've been wondrously, gloriously saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by placing our faith in Him and His finished work on the cross. Now it's interesting in our present passage in uh, John 11 there, when Christ says, they shall never die, he says, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Those words, shall never die, in the Greek, they're a double negative. And so if you translate it literally, what the Lord says is, he says, they shall never, no, never die. The point is, it's emphatic, it is definite. It's a definite truth. There is no question, there is no hint of doubt. Because Christ is the life, we can be sure that we shall never die. We shall never be separated from Him. And beloved, that is a wonderful, glorious truth this morning. And it's made possible, why? Because Christ rose again. It's a wonderful, glorious truth. If we are saved, if we've placed our faith and trust in Christ and what He did for us there on the cross, then we have this assurance that no matter what, we shall never die. We shall never be separated from Him. No matter what sin we may commit in this life after salvation, that sin is still covered by the blood. That sin is still dealt with. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 declares that. Turn over there, Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 38. <clears throat> verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can change the state that we have before him. Once saved, always saved. And this is a wonderful, glorious truth. Beloved, we can praise God today that Christ is the life. And because of him, we shall never die. As I said earlier, this wonderful truth, just like his claim to be the resurrection, this claim to be the life was verified, was proven to be true when he rose again, triumphant over the grave. If Christ didn't rise again, then, beloved, we have no hope of eternal life. We read it earlier, but 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17 declares, If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. If Christ didn't rise, then his work on the cross was not sufficient to pay the price for our sin. And beloved, we are still dead in our trespasses and sins. So we have no hope. If Christ didn't rise, we are still spiritually separated from him. You see, it's the resurrection that gives us the assurance of both of these truths this morning. Because Christ rose triumphant over the grave, we know that he is the resurrection. And we know that we shall rise. Because Christ rose again, we know that he is the life. And that in him we have life, eternal life. We shall never die. Both were proven true when he rose again. Beloved, because he lives, we have hope that we shall rise. And we shall never die. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for these two wonderful, glorious truths. That Christ is the resurrection and the life. That in him we know that we shall rise if we have our faith and trust in him. And in him we know that we have eternal life. We shall never die. We shall never be separated from you. But we thank you for these two wonderful, glorious truths this morning. Both verified, both proven to be true when Christ rose triumphant over the grave. Lord, may we this morning rejoice in all that we have in Christ. Rejoice in all that is ours because of his finished work there on the cross. Lord, bless now as we close. Bless as we sing. Give thanks unto you. We pray this in Jesus' name.